0: on broadway for monday March 4th 2019 i'm broadway world's matt team and and i am broadway star james marino james we had a couple things in the podcast feed i apologize one that i thought i was gonna get up did not get up i if you followed me on twitter this weekend you saw that i was neck deep in covering the nfl scouting combine from indianapolis indiana so uh did about 12 to 15 articles uh, about Ohio State players at the Combine, which I was not planning on doing. So Jaime Camille had to wait, but he will be in your feeds in the next few days. So I apologize about that. But fortunately, Jane Simpson did not disappoint. And she had her interview with Madeline George, the playwright between her uh, be, uh, behind Hurricane Diane at New York Theatre Workshop. And perfectly timed, James. On this week on Broadway, you guys discussed Hurricane Diane. Now, not to, uh, you know, put any pressure on you guys since it's already recorded, but we just had the play right on. Did everybody like the show?
1: Uh, I think. I think it was just Peter that saw it. I, I don't think that Michael okay. saw it. Uh, I, I, it's, it's so long ago for me to remember that.
0: Uh, <laughs> it's been like 10 hours.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, Peter really liked Hurricane Diane. Uh, a good review on Hurricane Diane. We also... Uh, talked about, what else did we talk about? Alice by Heart. Alice by Heart, that's right, at uh, at MCC, and um, Peter and Michael liked it better than most of the other reviewers. Uh, Certainly there are challenges with it, but... um, but I uh, picked up a song off of YouTube uh, from for Alice by Heart and put it into the top and bottom of uh, This Week on Broadway. What a beautiful song. It rem- reminded me a lot of uh, – uh, what's that? a uh, show? Falling Slowly Gold. Once. T- uh, once. Once. It reminded me of yeah. Once a lot. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's probably the same video as a duet between a man and a yeah. woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it might have been a day you weren't here. Um, I mentioned it, and it was a great song. T- to me, it reminded me of the duet that they released before Girl from the North Country uh-huh. um, opened. Uh, so yeah, I think we talked about that, but I don't know that you were there. But yeah, um, I'm glad that somebody liked Alice by Heart, because there's not many of them out there. Yeah.
1: In fact, uh, given Peter and Michael's review on Alice by Heart and watching that video I've reconsidered and maybe we'll RSVP to that invite uh, cool. to see what my schedule looks like and see if I can get to see it. So, uh, yeah, it was a fun weekend. And, you know, uh, just like um, rush hour, planes lining up to land at LaGuardia or JFK, we have a lot of stuff uh, coming to uh, folks. So... Uh, we have uh you and i spoke with andrew lippa so we have we did we have lippa in the channel we uh, i have a, an interview with adam simkowitz that we need to get out there there's a few things that are happening so uh, we certainly mm-hmm. need Lots to of stuff start here in the spring. putting it out yep. yeah yep. exactly all right so uh, first up in the news should we do the tea first Yeah, let's spill some tea first. All right. So Faye Dunaway is going to play Boston's Huntington Theatre in a pre-Broadway premiere of Tea at Five.
0: Yeah, this literally came in like two minutes before we started recording. You'll remember that uh, back in December, it was announced that Faye Dunaway would – lead a new uh, adapted streamlined version of the one uh, one woman show T at five by Matthew Lombardo. And the plan was for it to play on Broadway in the summer of 2019. Now we don't know if that will happen, but if it does, it will have to be the back half of the summer of 2019 as just on Sunday evening at about a quarter after eight We got a press release saying that the show would play Boston's Huntington Theater from June 21st through Sunday, uh, July 7th. So that's a pretty short run, um, you know, just over uh, two weeks. So about two and a half weeks. I don't know if that means it'll come directly into Broadway at some point, um, you know, for for teching and previews uh, in the month of July. But. It would be nice to have Faye Dunaway on Broadway. I know that there were a ton of people that did not expect this ever to happen uh, because so many things, one, with Matthew Lombardo have been announced for Broadway and then never happened. But two, Faye Dunaway has been very much hesitant to get back on stage um, and and, and it seems like this is actually going to happen. So I'm very happy for her. She did win a Theater World Award in her off-Broadway turn in Hogan's Goat. And she has also been on Broadway in A Man for All Seasons, After the Fall, But For Whom? Charlie, The Changeling, and The Curse for an Aching Heart. James, um, I was really, really hoping that she would get on Broadway while Network was still playing on Mm. Broadway at the Blasco, since she did win an Oscar for the role that Tatiana Maslany is now playing. Uh, But this is exciting. Uh, Whether this ends up uh, on Broadway this summer or not, it definitely seems like this is moving forward. The original off-Broadway run of t at five which featured kate Mulgrew, was a little bit different um it was a two-act show this has been shortened down into a one-act show but it got rave reviews when it originally played um with kate so uh off broadway so i'm uh, really interested to see how they've done this john tillinger um, will direct the production as he did back in 2003 uh with Mulgrew in the lead and of course in the show faye dunaway plays katherine Hepburn. so uh really exciting see what happens so, the uh,
1: press release that we just got a few minutes ago uh, from O&M points us to a website called bostontheaterscene.com. And I clicked on it. And you know what's at the top of the page there? Uh, I, I do not. Once playing at uh-huh. the speakeasy stage company. So it all they heard you. comes back.
0: <laughs> they heard you.
1: It all fades away. It all fades away.
0: <laughs> That's a different show. It all different fades show. Away. But you. Yeah. <laughs>
1: And you, and you, and you. All right. So uh, next up, our former first story of the day. Uh, (laughs) Reviews are in for Second Stage's superhero.
0: Yeah. Back on Thursday, the new musical from Tom Kidd, who wrote the music and lyrics, and John Logan, who wrote the book, both uh, Tony winners in their own right uh the the musical was superhero it opened at second stage, featuring Kyle MacArthur as Simon Kate Baldwin as his mother Charlotte, and Bryce Pinkham as their neighbor Jim. I presupposed that this would not get great reviews, and uh, I was right. It didn't get the awful reviews that Alice by Heart did. They just pretty much called the show bland. Uh, in fact, Jesse Green went on an extended metaphor of comparing the show to D. Evan Hansen, but saying that it just wasn't as good as D. Evan Hansen. Um, going to Jesse Green's review in the New York Times, he said, quote, Superhero is a misfire. Authors with golden track records for serious work have somehow created a musical so lugubrious, and I know how to pronounce that word because of the uh, 25th Annual Putnam county, county Spelling Bee, mm-hmm. but a musical so lugubrious and underpowered that it never gets off the ground. Not even as allegory could the fantastical adventure that swallows the second act sustain my interest. Its concerns are sketchy, as thin as comic book stock. Despite spending so much energy hammering the unlikely plot into place, Mr. Logan has created characters who connect his overworked variations, uh, uh, who uh, has not created characters who connect his overworked variations on superhero conventions convincingly to real behavior. Sarah Holdren and Valtra said, quote, The play is skirting unpleasantly close to, quote, everything happens for a reason territory, to the snug, deadening notion that there's someone kind and powerful looking out for us, even if that someone can't save everyone. That strikes me as a singularly soft and useless notion, but despite Jim's claims to novelty, Superhero isn't attempting to feed us anything we haven't digested dozens of times before. It's feel-good theater, only living up to its title and that it keeps us all extremely safe. Alexa Salaski for The Guardian said, quote, Pinkham has a lovely chilling tenor, and if the musical rests too heavily on... Sorry, that was my Alexa talking because I said Alexis. Anyway. (laughs) Um, Pinkham has a lovely chilling tenor And if the musical rests too heavily On Simon's puny shoulders MacArthur is likable Especially in his Zero to Hero to Zero song I'll save the girl If the other actors are pleasant enough Their characters are comic book thin But this musical mostly exists As an exquisite showcase for Kate Baldwin An actor so luminous And so specific that she makes great singing Seem effortless Is that a superpower? It should be James, when this was first announced, we said that pairing the singular talents of Kate Baldwin and Bryce Pinkham seem like a surefire hit with this writing team. Uh, unfortunately, it seems like the talents of those two are really the only thing making this uh, worthy of seeing. And uh, that's too bad. I've said before, I think all of Tom Kitt's music pretty much sounds the exact same. So this doesn't really surprise me. Uh, but for Bryce and Kate's sake, I was really, really hoping that this would be a big hit for him.
1: You know, you can have all the ingredients. Uh, I, I can buy all the ingredients of a master chef, and I'll still go to Taco Bell.
0: I, I, I think Taco Bell would be an upgrade over this musical. It sounds like, in cool. this metaphor, at least, in the <laughs> metaphor. I mean, I'll be honest with you, Taco Bell's an upgrade over a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, you know, especially this cantina. I haven't been to the cantina uh, over in Hell's Kitchen, so I feel like I'm going to have to do that when I am uh, in town next.
1: Oh yeah, I probably uh, owe you some sort of Ohio State, Penn State, lunch, dinner, dessert type yeah, of thing.
0: I think, so. yeah, I think it was pie, but I'll I'll settle for uh, for Taco Bell. All right. <laughs> so, what do we have in this week's theatrical schedule? unsurprisingly we're getting into the spring and we have a lot but first james let's start with tomorrow night on broadway where despite practically zero pre-promotion previews will begin for the new lucas hanaith play gary a sequel to titus andronicus of course the show is riffing on the classically bloody shakespearean play much like hanaith's uh, adult house part two riffs on ibsen uh this one will open at the booth theater and is directed by the legendary george c Wolfe and features the all legendary in their own Rights: Nathan Lane Andrea uh, Andrea Martin and Christine Nielsen the play is scheduled to run through August 4th and you know I, there's some ads I guess up around but I'm really surprised that we haven't heard much about this I don't think there was a press call for this one um, it's a Scott Rudin show so that's not surprising but um, hopefully the names alone will sell this one because there haven't been a whole lot else out there but also on Tuesday, the Manhattan Theatre Company will open their new off-Broadway play by by Becca Brunstetter called The Cake, directed by Lynn Meadow. The show stars Deborah Jo Rupp and is scheduled to run through March 31st. Also on Tuesday, the public theatre will begin previews for the next show that I think will be a smash hit from the venerated company as Suzanne Laurie Parks' White Noise begins performances. Starring Daveed Diggs, Shariah Irving, Zoe Winters, and Thomas Sadowski, it is currently planning to run through April 21st. And I would not be surprised if this ends up upcoming Uptown in the 2019-2020 season. And finally, on Tuesday, speaking of things that could make it to Broadway, the London stage adaptation of The Twilight Zone, adapted by Anne Washburn and directed by Richard Jones, will begin performances on Tuesday as well at the Ambassador's Theatre in the West End. Now, let's move to Thursday, but let's stick with things in London for our next show, James, as the West End premiere of Waitress featuring Catherine McPhee will open up at the Adelphi Theatre. Coming back stateside um, from a show exported to London to a U.K. import to New York. Also on Thursday, the North American premiere of Phoebe Waller-Bridge's Fleabag will officially open at Soho Playhouse. The one, one woman show by writer and star Waller-Bridge directed by Vicki Jones and has extended a few times and will close as of now on April 14th. And finally, on Thursday, Chick Flick, the musical, which we have talked about uh, quite a bit already here on Broadway Radio, will officially open on Thursday upstairs at the West Side Theater. And finally, James will move to Sunday when Be More Chill, the new-ish musical by Joe Iconis and Joe Trax. Will open at the Lyceum Theater on Broadway. Directed by Stephen Brackett and choreographed by Chase Brock, the show features a number of members of the Iconis family, both literal and figurative, and many who have been with the show since its 2015 premiere in New Jersey. Leading the company are Will Rowland, George Salazar, Jason Tam, Stephanie Sue, uh, Gerard Canonico, uh, Caitlin Carlston, Tiffany Mann, Lauren Marcus, Jason Sweet Tooth Williams, and more. Also opening on Sunday night off Broadway is If Pretty Hurts, Ugly Muffin. Must- be a Motherfucker at Playwrights Horizons, written by Tori Sampson and directed by Leah C. Gardner. The show is currently scheduled to run through March 31st. We've also got a couple closings on Sunday, starting with MTC's Broadway premiere of Choir Boy and ending with Signature's off-Broadway revival of Lynn Nottage's, by the way, Meet Vera Stark. All right. That's a lot of stuff. Uh, just
1: to go back, um, tr- I was trying to see what information we had on Gary, a sequel to Titus Andronicus. Uh, I have two press releases, two in the last (laughs) seven months. Announcing the
0: cast? Yeah. Uh,
1: It was the first one. First press release was, they're going to do this show. And second one was, casting is complete. And that was, uh, the first one was uh, September 11th, 2018, The casting announcement was November 27th, a good uh, Thanksgiving casting notice. Uh, And that's it. Nothing. And it is starting up. Crickets. Okay. You know, uh, this is why I had a problem recalling uh, what show Nathan Lane was in. (laughs) Yeah. So, all right. Uh, Next up, Scott Rudin. Boy, oh, boy. Okay, uh taking a 400-level class in public relations. Pulled this one out of the hat. I didn't see this coming. Scott Rudin offers Sorkin's Mockingbird
0: to impacted community theaters. Yeah, James, we spent quite a bit of time last week talking about the hubbub between Scott Rudin and Dramatic Publishing uh, with the – Uh, Aaron Sorkin and the Christopher Sergal productions of To Kill a Mockingbird. Through some exclusivity licenses that Scott Rudin has with the estate of Harper Lee, he sent out letters to a number of community theaters around the country that were doing productions of an older version of To Kill a Mockingbird that were in fact in violation, according to Rudin and also the New York Times, in violation of the exclusivity agreement. However, Dramatic Publishing had not informed the companies that had licensed the show through them that they could be in violation. Therefore, some of these community theaters were out a tremendous amount of money, having already sunk in costs into not only the license, but props, costumes, um, and a lot of other things as well. I hesitate to go along with you, James, to think that this could be a public relations uh, thing. And I'll talk about here, that here in a second. But last week, Deadline reported that Scott Rudin has reached out to these community theaters and offered the opportunity for them to produce To Kill a Mockingbird. But with the script that is currently on Broadway, written by Aaron Sorkin. He reached out to theaters like the Dayton Playhouse and uh, and Buffalo's uh Kavanaki Kavanaki Theater, um, the chance to do this. um, Matt Lindsay, who's uh, the board chair for the Dayton Playhouse, said that's incredible, amazingly incredible. Um, They were getting ready to mount the show beginning on April 8th um, and would have to uh, cancel it because they were originally doing the circle version. But they have uh, now had the opportunity to do the sorkin version i don't know if they can rehearse it that quickly but we'll see what happens now james you said 400 level public relations the only reason i hesitate to say that is is that it's it's scott rudin does he really care about public relations this thing's selling millions of dollars more than a million dollars a week i don't know that he's super worried about community theaters being upset about this even with the little bit of press that it's gotten Um, do you really think that it was just done out of you know, CYA practices, or do you think that he honestly just felt bad about having these productions canceled for all the crap that people talk, including us about Scott Rudin? I actually do believe that he's interested in the health of theater, both in America and around uh, the world and in New York and, and in the regions, because he takes risks on really unique projects that a lot of other commercial producers can't and won't. So I I do believe that there's at least part of this where he genuinely feels bad about causing so much difficulty uh, to these community theaters, although I would imagine that he's blaming dramatic publishing rather than thinking that he actually created the issue in the first place. I totally agree with you. I think
1: that Scott Rudin does love theater. He really does. And he's very, very good at it and and his involvement in it. But I feel like... This, uh, this solution that he came up with was totally uh, a brilliant stroke of public relations. Whether or not the motivation was evil or not, I'm not saying, but I'm saying that it was great public relations uh, yeah. in coming up with the solution. And I do believe he loves theater and he, and the, the proof is in the pudding. He, is, he does it better. Nobody does it better. Makes me feel sad nope. for the rest. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, absolutely.
1: Okay, so what do we have in the recommendation section?
0: All right, James. I have some recommendations that could not be more different. Because first up on Saturday night, John Mulaney hosted Saturday Night Live. And while he's been on Broadway in Oh Hello on Broadway, he's never been in a musical. But he did a rather interesting and rather funny musical segment on on SNL in which he played a bodega owner looking to... Let's say uh, uh, put somebody through the test and end up giving his bodega over to someone else. In fact, they did it with some musical numbers featuring a cavalcade of SNL stars. They parodied songs from Cats, uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Uh, To Kill a Mocking or not to kill a mockingbird. um, uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and Rent was very funny. I don't watch Saturday Night Live because normally it's not very funny, Um, but the but I watched this clip and it was fantastic. Uh, The the final song in the in the sketch James was Bodega of Love, of course, saying (laughs) to Seasons of Love. It was very good, very funny. Um, Definitely check that out. And then our friend Adam Feldman did his uh, annual Hottest Chorus Boys and Hottest Chorus Girls lists of 2019 uh, in Time Out New York, I am going to keep it professional and will decline to comment on any of the selections in Mr. Feldman's lists. But if you want to see um, which Broadway performers uh, that probably aren't household names uh, that he selected, he also has social media information if you want to check out I don't know additional pictures of what they look like. Um, you can find that in the two articles that we will have linked in the show notes at BroadwayRadio.com.
1: I have a bone to pick with Mr. Feldman. So, Uh-oh. Uh, yeah. You know, he uh, every year uh, after the Tony Awards, he does the uh, the hottest uh, male podcasters and female podcasters. And, <laughs> no, he and I never make the top 10.
0: Never. He's, he doesn't do that. It's you know, <laughs> ridiculous. And I
1: have a feather boa and everything.
0: Oh, they Uh yeah. the good. The other thing he does that I always look forward to every year is the uh, the, the best Tony's performances. But yeah. Uh, anyway. hmm.
1: <laughs> so. Uh, all right, Matt, why don't you get us out of here?
0: All right. Thanks for listening to today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at matt. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com.
1: Thanks for spending your um, little bit of your Monday with us and kicking off the week. It's uh, snowing here in New York, so be safe and uh, don't slip around. And uh, Matt and I will come back and talk with you tomorrow.